Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and we are right here 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And for 27 years, we've questioned whether O.J. Simpson got away with murder. Yet somehow we can't question the results of the 2020 election. Whatever happened to intellectual inquiry? There's a quote that comes to mind from uh, Benjamin Jowett, and the quote is this. Doubt comes in the window when inquiry is denied at the door. You know, we question JFK's murder. Heck, a lot of people still question Lincoln's murder. But one solid matter of fact is that Joe El Baboso Biden was elected fair and square, right? That's one thing that's irrefutable. We can never say, well, what about that whole thing? The fact that it's May and there's still an audit going on in Arizona. You can't talk about that stuff. Now, I understand that acceptance is more amenable for most. But an honest person can't really ignore the facts that are coming out of this Arizona audit. Now, listen, I know that Donald Trump is not the president anymore, lamentably. And no, the military doesn't just take over. It's not that kind of country. That's against our Constitution. But we can think things through logically. And we don't have to abandon ship or abandon hope thinking that Republicans are going to lose forever just because they figured out how to pull a fast one on us this time. And I'm not saying every single ballot was fraudulent, but I'm saying there's a lot of questions that are coming up. Now, I don't know about you, but I am not a loser. I'm a winner. I'm not destined to lose perpetually, and I refuse to accept that type of thinking. The defeatist mentality that makes me think while I'm waiting for the government to come knock on my door and take away my liberty. No, 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 no. I don't have that kind of thinking, and neither should you. Don't sit there just waiting for the government to come and knock on your door. Guns, please. Guns, please. That's not going to happen. You got to be smarter than that. Really, like, period. Put a full stop to it. Now, in Thursday's Washington Times, Alex Sawyer pointed out that one Arizona senator raised serious issues to the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors during the election audit. Now, before I get into that, I want to say on this Sunday edition of This is America that it's spelled and it looks like it says Maricopa County. But I've met people from that part of the world, Arizona, and they say Mayacopa. And I'm thinking, how do you get Mayacopa out of M-A-R-I-C-O-P-A? Mayacopa County. So I don't know. If you're from Arizona, uh, tweet at me or hit me on Parlor or hit me on the uh, richvaldez.com website. Let me know if I'm mispronouncing Maricopa and I should be saying Mayacopa County. But 
Uh, I just can't do that with a straight face. Anyway, the president of the Arizona Senate sent a letter to the Maricopa Board of Supervisors this week demanding answers to what they called serious issues that have arisen during the Republican audit of the 2020 election. The four-page letter by Karen Fan, the president of the Arizona Senate, tells Chairman Jack Sellers that the attorneys for the county won't hand over Internet routers for inspection during the Senate's audit. These were used during the general election. The counties also refused to provide passwords that are needed to enter vote tabulation devices, according to the same letter. The Senate's contractors have also raised issues about, quote, apparent omissions, inconsistencies, and anomalies relating to the Maricopa County's handling, organization, and storage of ballots. Lastly, Ms. Fan's letter notes that they have discovered one database directory from a machine had been deleted, removing election-related details, Ooh, saying, quote, This suggests that the main database for all election-related data for the November 2020 general election has been removed, said the letter on Wednesday. Fields Mosley Communications Director for Maricopa County said that the board was scheduled to meet late Thursday afternoon with counsel to discuss next steps. Looks like they're saying that this was a misunderstanding. Ms. Fan told the Washington Times that her letter merely raises questions that the Senate has discovered during its audit. This letter is not accusing anyone of wrongdoing, she says. We're merely seeking answers to continue the audit properly, end quote. And it goes on and it goes on. So we've seen the stuff that happened here. They had a recount. It drew a lot of media attention, colorful headlines, blah, 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 blah. Critics say the audit revives former President Trump's unsubstantiated claims of a stolen election. But the former election remains in question, and President Trump has been uh, praising the recount. On Thursday, he said of Ms. Fan's letter was devastating, saying, quote, The fake news and the lamestream media are doing everything they can to not cover this major story. They just refuse to talk about it. They don't want the United States or the world to see what's going on in our corrupt third world election, said Trump. And you know what? I agree with what he's saying. So much of our government is built on this principle of sweeping dirt under the rug, whatever the dirt was. Look at the Kennedy assassination, right? We talked about that before. There's a million documentaries that, if nothing else, they point out that the story is not very consistent, right? I mean, this is just one of those. It's not open and shut. It's not like, you know, the bullet came and hit him and it blew out. They're saying the bullet came from behind him, yet his brains flew out the back of his head. I mean, it's just so inconsistent. So I think this is one of those things that we do have to look at. We we have a responsibility as citizens to get to the bottom and to fix the problem. I'm not saying that we're going to, you know, uh, turn back the hands of time. And like some people are saying, and, and people I respect a lot, they're saying, oh, Trump is going to be back in office in August. What? Who? Come on, man. <laughs> really? I mean, and this, is, I think, is part of the, the issue that we face, that we, we can't be so drastic with things. Well, Rich, no, now you sound like a coward. Now you sound like a sellout, Rich, because you that's it's it's drastic, I'm sorry to say. I don't think we even have a legal mechanism to pull something like that off. So to think that we're gonna go into unchartered, unprecedented legal territory like that, when he had plenty of precedent with uh, Bush v. Gore, and that stuff didn't even get taken up in court. So to think that something so unprecedented like this would happen is kind of like crazy. Anyway. So many of us criticize our friends on the left for selling a utopian dream. But 
are we guilty of the same thing? Is it realistic to think that one day we're going to have a smaller, more limited government? Or is that like pie in the sky thinking? Well, I don't know. Will we ever abolish the United States Department of Ed? That's one I'd like to know, which is now basically a bank. Will we ever escape the trap of complaining that conservative failures are the result of Republican cowardice? And it's a trap because I believe it is one. Will our government ever get off our backs, get out of our pockets, and allow the free market to truly be free? I'll submit to you this. I don't think we'll ever reach that conservative utopia. But that doesn't mean that we won't die trying to get there because politics is about influencing the balance of power. It's about winning every battle that we can in the figurative war against what we don't like and fighting for the values and principles that we believe in. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I think sometimes we have to reiterate these things. These guiding principles are just that, principles that guide us. But we have to win back America one heart and mind at a time. In each of our classrooms, in each of our newsrooms, in our town halls, in our state houses, and in Washington. Straight ahead, the left-wing radicals of our political spectrum, our beloved political spectrum, are wokefully attacking a new group, gays. So stick with me so you don't miss it. We're just getting started. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primal número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez with an S. And that's richvaldez.com if you want to check out our previous episodes or all that stuff. Or if you want to use the uh, contact rich feature, I do look at those. They pop into uh, an email inbox that I have and uh, I really do. And actually, towards the end of the show, we're going to look at one of those listener questions and we're going to talk about it a little bit. But I want to thank you like always because talking into a microphone is only fun if there's people on the other side that actually respond in one way or another. Whether it's calling in on talk radio, tweeting emails, whatever, sharing your, your thoughts and your, your comments with me. Without that, we're lost. And I have been blessed and I'm fortunate to have you, the listener, you that shares this with your friends, that sends it through a text message, that emails it to four or five people, whatever you're doing, it's showing. I get these reports every Tuesday. I look at the numbers. They continue to grow. And it's not because I get better and better. It's not. It's because you guys get better and better, better and better at believing in this message that we have together and sharing it with more people. So I thank you for that. And again, I've talked about this before, but I'll repeat it briefly. Super thrilled to be uh, collaborating with the Real Talk Tour and uh, Angela Stanton King, looking at a visit to Miami very soon. So um, if you want to be involved in that, hit that uh, contact us or contact Rich feature on richvaldez.com, richvaldez with an S, and we'll see if we can get you involved in that. That's coming up soon in the next couple of weeks. So Keep that there. But now my question is, or my statement, is if you're a Hispanic and a conservative, the totalitarian left wing of our political spectrum says you're not Hispanic anymore. Heck, you can't even be Latinx, right? Uh, you, because if you're a Latinx conservative, they'll kick you out of being Latinx. And I don't agree with Latinx, obviously. If you're black and you're a cop, you can't be black anymore because you lose your blackness. And now if you're gay and you're a cop, the woke left says that you can't be gay anymore. Well, at least 
They won't allow gay cops in New York to participate in the gay parade. Maybe it has something to do with abolishing the police. I don't know. Who knows? They claim, according to Out Magazine, that the participation of gay cops in the gay parade might trigger other gay participants. New York City Pride bans police groups from marching until 2025. Out Magazine, out.com. After years of outcry and criticism, Heritage of Pride, the organizers behind the New York City Pride Festival Parade, are is banning the participation in Pride events by police groups for the next four years. The move will come alongside other steps to reduce police presence at the annual event. Quote, This announcement follows many months of conversation and discussion with key stakeholders in the community. New York City Pride co-chair Andre Thomas said in a statement that declared, quote-unquote, effective immediately, New York City Pride will ban corrections and law enforcement exhibitors at New York City Pride events until 2025. At that time, their participation will be reviewed by the Community Relations and Diversity, Accessibility, and Inclusion Committees as well as the executive board, end quote. According to the statement, the decision comes after advice from organizations like the Anti-Violence Project, National Black Justice Coalition, Dapper Q, Compass Strategies Consulting, as well as advocate Devin Norell. It was made in light of how threatening the presence of police can be to some members of the community. In place of NYPD, private security, community leaders, and volunteers will lead first response and security at events. NYPD will only be involved when, quote, absolutely necessary as mandated by city officials. In these instances, NYC Pride will review foreseeable NYPD involvement and in partnership with surrounding venue precincts, take steps to reduce police officers at least one city block away from the event perimeter areas whenever possible. NYPD will also not be allowed to speak at events or use the NYC Pride platform. Police presence are being asked to stay a block away from all in-person events. The decision stops short of disallowing police to appear in uniform at Pride events. While police groups can't participate, individual officers can still, under the guidelines, participate. It follows others like Pride Toronto and Indy Pride in cutting ties with the police. Now, Pride began 51 years ago in remembrance of an anti-police uprising at Stonewall Inn. Activists have held actions during Pride to protest the inclusion of police and efforts like the Reclaim Pride organizational um, conversation that they've had openly criticizing the relationship, yada, yada, yada. And here's what the police had to say. Quote, Their response to activist pressure is to take the low road by preventing their fellow community members from celebrating their identities and honoring the shared legacy of the Stonewall riots, said Brian Downey, the president of the Gay Officers Action League, known as GOAL. He told that to the New York Times regarding their decision to ban police organizations. And this is a New York City cop. It's a gay New York City cop. It's important to note here that no members of the community are banned from participating. Officers can still march, but not in groups. And the legacy of the Stonewall riots was a rebellion against police. Last year, 51 years after the initial Stonewall uprisings, NYPD antagonized and attacked peaceful LGBTQ plus protesters, hitting them with mopeds and batons not far from the Stonewall Inn. 
They also pepper sprayed the group en masse. Here's another quote. We are horrified and furious at the brutal police attack on peaceful marchers using pepper spray, violence, shoving, and arrests, said the organizations of the Queer Liberation March. At the exact moment that Mayor de Blasio tweeted about honoring Stonewall and the LGBTQIA plus rights movement, it's just getting longer and longer, this acronym. Holy. Anyway, the NYPD completely overreacted, according to them, with unprovoked physical violence including pepper spraying their own colleagues. This year's Pride will be a combination of in-person and virtual events. And that's the piece in in this. Now, I got to think, and maybe this is naive, but if you are saying that it is a massive or major threat for gay cops to participate in the uh, gay Pride parade, why have they been there for, you know, dozens of years? The The gay officers associations have always been there. And I guess there might have been some uh, discrepancy over that. But for the most part, it was never a thing until now, because now it's a big political thing. And I think to myself, you know, as a kid growing up, there there wasn't a whole lot of gay going on. But one of the things that there was was the village people. Right. And there was a gay Indian and there was a gay cop. And and, and I thought to myself, OK, those the village people that that was the gay community. Right. They were the village people. I remember my grandmother had a record and LP, you know, the vinyl. And uh, and I would see these guys and the construction worker and the guy with the leather vest or whatever. And I thought they were funny, you know, but it was I didn't know. What did I know? But what I do know is that YMCA. Right. And everybody loves a good YMCA. There was a cop there. So, I mean, the gay community accepted having a cop as a member of the village people, but won't accept cops at their parade this year. That, I think, is just uh I don't know. I'm going to say unconscionable. I just think it's wrong because all in the name of wokeness. And that's the point I'm making. It has nothing to do with gay. This has everything to do with if you're a conservative, anything conservative Jew, you're no longer a Jew. Conservative Hispanic, you're no longer Hispanic. Conservative black, forget about being black. That's the bottom line. They will eliminate your identity if you don't join the mob. That's unacceptable. That's un-American. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. Welcome back. Bienvenido, America. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all the social media. Make sure you check us out on Facebook and Instagram and uh, Parler. When it's up and running, it's really fun to use. It's just not always up and running because they're revamping the entire system. I've heard some rumors that some uh, big-name conservatives are going to be joining the um, platform, so I think they're uh, doing a little house cleaning, a little spring cleaning. But 80% of the Republican Party or those that identify as Republicans agree with Lynn Cheney's ouster. Now, I thought I was done talking about Liz Cheney. I really did because, you know, again, this is not one of those things you want to gloat over. I don't hate Lynn Cheney. I just don't. I've talked to her on the phone a few times. I mentioned that in the last show. Decent person. She's from Wyoming. I mean, how do you uh, – she's a conservative from Wyoming. People are like, oh, you know, they're replacing her with a rhino. Well, I have to say I think there's truth in in the idea that Liz Cheney has a more conservative voting record than Elise Stefanik. But I think there's also truth in that Liz Cheney did not fight for the Republican Party, did not fight for our Republican president the way Elise Stefanik did. So I think, you know, you take everything the way it comes. Who, do you, who are you going to pick? You're going to pick the person that's got your back. 
Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This time, because right now this is the fight that you're in. Anyway, this is a CBS News poll. CBS News poll says this. Republicans weigh in on Liz Cheney and the direction of the GOP. CBS News. When House Republicans ousted Congressman Liz Cheney from her leadership post, it, it spoke to the direction of the Republican Party in at least one specific way. What should happen to those who publicly break with former President Donald Trump? So we surveyed the nation's self-identified Republicans to learn what they thought of this week's events. And they still very much want their party to show loyalty to former President Trump and adhere to the idea that President Biden didn't legitimately win. Oh, well, look at that. Their views on Cheney, in turn, now reflect those wishes. 80% of Republicans who'd heard about the vote agree with Cheney's removal. They feel she was off-message, unsupportive of Mr. Trump, and that she's wrong about the 2020 presidential election. Yada, 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 yada. Here's the, the meat and potatoes. 80% agree, 20% disagree. She's not on message with the party, 69% agree. She's wrong about the 2020 election, 57% agree. She didn't support Trump, 52% agree. Disloyalty will be punished. A minority of people, 34%. These Republicans opposed her removal. And just a fifth of the party right now says it's mainly because there was room for different views in the party not all need to support Mr. Trump. And that was a distraction. But when we look down the line, this is the article again, when we look down the line to any potential electoral impact there might be, it's even more limited. The group is also less likely to report voting in Republican primaries. All right, this is getting into the weeds. The article seeks to make the case that the reason people support the Cheney ouster, which I, I am going to surmise that CBS News is come to the conclusion that no one in their right mind should support this Liz Cheney thing. This is an abomination. You're getting rid of somebody for disagreeing. And I'm going to say, stop. Please just stop. I mean, are you brand new to politics that you don't know how this thing works? That's how it's always worked. You know, not too long ago, I posted on uh, Facebook and I got some reaction to it that I didn't expect because I didn't think it was that um, profound. But I made a statement about my thoughts on Liz Cheney and the whole thing. And this is what I said. Liz Cheney could easily have resigned her leadership post as Republican conference chair in protest because she voted to impeach and criticize a Republican president. But she didn't. Why? Did she think they would congratulate her for being a maverick? Voting her conscience wasn't the issue. Voting against the Republican Party's interests while serving as the Republican conference chair was. You can't score goals for the other team. Period. And I think that is a fact. Now, some may disagree with me, but I think that is the reason that Liz Cheney was taken out. Now, I want you to hear this audio. So this is former Senator Jeff Flake on his thoughts on the Liz Cheney ouster. Check this out. 
I think we've been talking about this in in terms of framing it like a civil war within the party. But then this morning, um, Politico's Jeff Greenfield pointed out something that was striking to me and said, this isn't really a civil war in many ways. When you look at what's happening within the party, exemplified by what happened to Cheney, this is more of a purge. Is he right? Yeah, I I think that that, that's a more accurate description. Uh, This is President Trump's party right now. It won't always be. I think he will lose influence uh, more quickly than he would like. Uh, But right now, uh, this is a loyalty test. It's not a test on ideology, obviously. Uh, Liz Cheney is far more conservative than Elise Stefanik. Uh, But this is a test on whether or not you are loyal to a man. Mm -hmm. And and that's a terrible place for a party to be in. And so, yeah, it's it's more of a purge than, than civil war. There is a harsh truth here. Let me explain. You see, politics is a tug of war. That's literally how it works. We need effective people in office. We also have a dead party. The Republican Party, in effect, died. The only thing keeping it alive are the conservatives, those like you and those like me that want to move the party forward. I don't think any of us care for the Republican Party by name of Republican Party. I didn't become a Republican because I liked country clubs. I became a Republican because they were the big tent with a conservative wing where my values as a conservative were accepted. Trump has revived the party through action, through ideology, and a renewed sense of bravado, a courage to stand for what's right for all Americans. That doesn't mean there's not bigoted zealots that creep their way in and complain about the browning of America. There are. Some will see the border crisis as a national security issue, like I do. And some will see it as a justification for them to hate Hispanics. But most conservatives, in my experience, they hate the sin and they love the sinner. I'm happy to work it out in the free market of ideas. I really am. Because this is about ideas. At least for most of us it is. The idea of an America where we get along where we work hard, where we enjoy vacations and live the American dream with our families. That's what it's about. For so many people, this has disappeared. And it's not necessarily the fault of a global economy, as as many people would like to make it, but it was the bad choices by sellout politicians that focused on the wrong thing. So now we have a chance to reshape the Republican Party through Trump's leadership where we can focus on putting America first without focusing on tribalism. Trump left us so many great examples. They claim that he's a tribalist and he's this and he's a xenophobe and he's that. But guess what? Which Republican Party had as many blacks as the one that Trump just uh, created and revived? You tell me. Which one had more Hispanics? Which one had more Jews? Right? We're supposed to be the party of white supremacists. They hate the Jews. Yet we have so many. They were running around the White House. There was Hanukkah parties in the White House. Black parties, right? Black voices for Trump and all that stuff. Latinos for Trump. Every one of these coalitions grew in number. You had peace in the Middle East. The Abraham Accords. He got nominated for four Nobel Peace Prizes for bringing peace. Enter Biden in what? Three and a half months? Whatever it is, four months? Five, I don't know how to count anymore. Five months. And there's a freaking war going on. In the Middle East, more blacks, more Hispanics, more Jews, less taxes and more money in your pockets. That was Trump. Now we've got Ilhan Omar. 
who is extraordinarily upset because America sides with their ally. Even Joe Biden has sided saying, oh, I have concern. But you know what? He has sided with Israel, our ally, because they have a right to defend themselves. Listen to Ilhan Omar. Hamas fired rockets into Israel, which has taken the lives of six Israelis. And the Israeli military launched airstrikes into Gaza, targeting civilian buildings, which have already killed 69 people, including 16 children. Let me be clear. Every single death in this conflict is a tragedy. Every rocket and bomb that targets civilians is a war crime. I feel the pain of every child who's forced to hide under their beds because they fear for their life and every parent who deals with that anguish. And I wish we as a nation treated that pain equally. But right now we are not. And instead of condemning blatant crimes against humanity and human rights abuses, many members of Congress have instead fallen back on a blanketed statement defending Israel's airstrikes against civilians under the guise of self-defense. Or is it Hamas's attacks on Israeli civilians that's being hidden under the guise of we're civilians? Is it Hamas putting rocket launchers and their command centers next to hospitals that they built for cover? next to schools that they built for cover? Is it not Hamas and the authority that send young Palestinians as patriots, as warriors to the front lines so that they can interact with the Israeli soldiers who spare their lives by shooting their limbs off? hate it to put it that way. But this is how real life works. And I'm not saying that one side is supposed to get shot and the other one is not. But I am saying, Congresswoman Omar, yeah, I agree with you on the fact that any kid that dies in this is, is a tragedy. Yes, I agree with you that people that are intentionally targeting civilians are guilty of war crimes. But now you tell me. You know, on my Twitter following, one of the guys that follows me, and I follow him, uh, Colonel Richard Kemp. He's from the United, uh, the United Kingdom Royal Navy. He participated in, it would have been good to grab this audio, but you can find it. It's on PragerU. And he talks about how never in his life as a professional soldier, and this guy's got to be at least 60 years old, he says he's never seen people go out of their way to text and call and drop leaflets and sound alarms saying, hey, we're going to bomb you. Get out if you're not a terrorist. Nobody does that. I know the United States doesn't do that. Israel does do that. Now, my, his words, not mine, he said they are the most humanitarian army he's ever seen or the, the most humanitarian group of professional soldiers he's ever seen, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force. Now, I, I, I don't seek to be an apologist for the Jews. I don't. I just seek to be an apologist for the truth. And when you have one side that constantly, consistently hides behind young people, takes young mothers and tells them, leave your baby at home, but take your baby carriage and we'll put the rockets in the baby carriage and we'll try and get the guys at the wall by surprise. When you play dirty like that, do you think people are going to respect you and your message? Nope. Netanyahu's, in my opinion, his even his political enemies that are against his party, the Likud, that are trying to take him out from being prime minister, even his political enemies agree with him that Israel needs to blast these people that are attacking Israel. When your enemies agree with you, 
it's because there's a commonality called truth. Hundreds of rockets were launched into Israel. They didn't hit military installations. They were hitting regular people's homes. Israel didn't just blanket return fire. They made an incredible threat and said, if you keep doing that, we're going to come in and raid and bulldoze this place. And it forced the Hamas people to go underground. And guess what? The Israelis knew they were going to do that. And they bombed these underground tunnels and took out a ton of them. So for Ilhan Omar to come and say that six people died over here and then 70 or 69 people died over here, I say, too bad. Somebody comes to try to punch me in the face and I duck and then I hit him with a two-piece, an elbow, and a knee to their solar plexus? Is it my bad that he's on the floor crying for his mother? No, it's his bad because he took a swing at me and missed. That's the point. Don't get stupid. In the street, they say, don't start none, there won't be none. It's the best advice you could ever have. Anyway, the Colonial Pipeline paid $5 million in ransom. <laughs> Epic fail. But we got gas again, and the price hopefully will go down. And... Before I go, I want to get to this listener question. Somebody sent me this note, and they said, Hi, Mr. Valdez. I'm reaching out to you with a question that may be of a, uh, a, a lot of on the minds of a lot of American patriots, as well as the Latino American community. With all the nonsense happening under the Biden leadership right now, from Israel not having, from Israel to not having fuel, we, the people of the United States, see and know that Biden is not fit to be president. What would it take to impeach him with a 25th Amendment? It's clear that he's not fit mentally. Please comment, if possible, about this, and I will. So I'm going to give you my thoughts. This is not any type of expert uh, analysis. This is my thought. If, if you commit a crime and you're a bad guy and you're guilty of sin and you call the cops, but the cops like that bad guy because he got them the job, <laughs> right? So let's just say that's the case. They're going to go, oh, okay, yeah, sure, yeah, we'll take a look. Nobody in Congress is going to oust Biden because he's their guy. Unless they feel like, you know what, we're going to put Kamala in place and then we're going to move her around and we think we could get more done with her. But right now, it seems like a safe bet. They put up Joe Biden. He stutters his way through everything. The Republicans trash him. He's an idiot. He's got Alzheimer's. He's this and he's that. And he he's there. He's there. <laughs> Let me get my card. Let me get my card. Oh, hold on. Let me get my uh, my mask. I got to wear my mask outside because I've been vaccinated for months. Back in December, I got it. And and this is this is Joe Biden. Everybody can see right through him right now. You've got all the people. Apparently now it's a thing. If you were a Democrat uh, or at least a liberal Democrat or I should say a progressive Democrat, you're supposed to hate Jews now. That's the new thing is to be a Jew hater. And so every Jew hater that is a Democrat, even though most Jews are Democrats. I find that one hard to believe. But that's the self-hating aspect of it where they say, well, you know, Israel shouldn't be sticking their nose and Palestine should, you know. And again, I'm not against Palestine. I'm not. Maybe some Jews take exception if I say that. I really do think that every human has a right to exist. That's what we believe. I'm a conservative. I believe in natural law. You don't get a right to exist any less than somebody else just because. Now, they're fighting over real estate and territory, and I get that, and let them keep fighting and figure it out. There's got to be a way to figure it out. And yeah, that's definitely above my pay grade. But the bottom line here is everybody's got a right to exist. And we can't just sit here and, and pretend that some don't and some do. I think that's the point I'm making. So going back to Biden, Biden's their guy. Why would they want to take him out? I think if they want to, they will. 
they'll take Biden out. But you know what that would do? That would get the Sean Hannity's of the world, the Mark Levin's of the world, all of these massive commentators to say, see, America, I told you Biden wasn't fit. And what do you think Americans are going to do? Regular people. They're going to go, wow, if the Republicans are right on that, they're probably right on other stuff. I'm going to vote for them. They'll never do it. They'll never do it. It's like a cheating husband. He'll never go, you're right, honey. Come and clean. I have a girlfriend. No, that doesn't happen. The guy dies and he's still not telling the truth. This is how it goes. These guys are not going that route. Sorry. It's not going to happen. I don't believe it's going to happen. If, if it does, it's not going to go well for them. They're going to look very unstable. It would have to be Biden himself that comes out and says, hey, this is a young man's game. In my first hundred days, sir, it's been 300 days. In my first hundred days, I did this. I tied my shoe. My dog bit every last Secret Service person. I called Jill, my sister, and my sister kicked me out. And whatever else he's got to say. You know, sometimes he even says he has hairy legs. Hey, get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. <laughs> and the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down. <laughs> now, I don't, know, I don't know what's funnier. The hairy legs comment. And they used to reach in the pool and rub my leg down. Or that music that's in the background that sounds like, you know, I've seen this video, but you would imagine several large drag queens just, you know, RuPauling about, you know, anyway, maybe uh, mind in the gutter, folks, forgive me. Anyway, I don't think Biden's going to be taken out by the 25th Amendment. I think he came in saying that he agreed to do one term. He's going to hand over the keys to the kingdom in the classiest fashion ever. First black woman president of America. We love her, Kamala. We Kamala's great. She's terrific. Jill's only better than her. And he's just going to do this whole big thing about whatever he does. Or we can beat them. And that's preferably where I live my life. <laughs> I live in that lane of we'll beat them. Even when we don't beat them. I live in that lane. You know, you, you can't win every day. Every day isn't Christmas. But you live like today's the last day that you've got to fight. And you give it everything you've got. Because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. That's Hamilton. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you, Americans, patriots, to do nothing. That's Lord Acton. So don't stand there as evil is roaring and rearing its ugly head. And I'm not saying all Democrats are evil. Try to parse my words. Please. I, I don't believe that we should hate every last progressive. I think we can disagree and we can argue. I understand there's people out there that say, you know what? I despise people that are trying to destroy the America I love. I get it. I just don't agree with you. I have to w ride the bus, the subway. I have to walk on the streets with these people. I don't want to live in Israel. I don't want to have that Israel-Palestine uh, type of deal with fellow Americans here where it's like, oh, snap, there's MAGA people. No, man, that's the wrong way to go. But hey, maybe I am getting soft. Anyway, hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America, hang tough. And again, stand for something. Because if you don't, you know where that ends up. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost. 
by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org.